0: Hello! You're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and tonight I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. I'm really well. The hot, sticky summer weather we've had is finally broken and there's a a blessed torrential downpour up here in Scotland.
0: Lovely. Very nice. Just what we like on this wet, green island.
1: That's right, yes. How about yourself, Frank? How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm
1: fine as well. Thank you. Yeah.
0: All is good. We had storms here as well. I realised that maybe I shouldn't say joining me tonight or joining me this morning, because it actually gives away to the listeners when we're recording. Um you know, some things need to be kept secret.
1: Yes. Just wrapped in a shroud of mystery. Exactly. That's the expression I was looking for. So what are we talking about today, Peter? Well, Today's, it's uh, maybe a bit of a weird one, but we're going to cover a few bits, because there's some, there's, at the moment, we're just inundated with stuff we want to talk about. The mm. the, the Patreon, the, the Patreon campaign, Patreon campaign, however you want to say it. That's gone really well, and we've got some commitments we need to follow up on there. So we need to look at some decks and answer some questions and do that kind of thing. Um, And we're really keen to do that. We knew that people would actually take us up on it? I know, I know. (laughs) Um, And then we've got, there's some interviews we've done with people. I've got something in my back pocket, an interview that I want to bust out soon, but to find the time to put all that together properly. Mm. And then we've had some other news popping up about um, Arkham on the, the Fantasy Flight website so there's a few little bits we want to talk about so we put we put them together in one episode uh, and see how that goes
0: awesome yeah and listener if you think well what's in it for me there's actually a competition at the end of this episode as well so stay tuned if competitions are your thing so where do we start
1: well let's start with something that popped up entirely unexpectedly on the fantasy player games website uh, mm. a few days ago i guess
0: yeah, I think it was on Friday, I think we got did we get a double article on Friday or we got an article on Thursday, an article on Friday, yes, something like that. there was a
1: new pack announcement as well. Yeah. So, so they've been putting up these semi-regular designer diaries on the, the Fantasy Flight Games website which are really cool, they're really interesting and they're a bit of an insight into not just uh, Matt Newman, the lead designer on Arkham Horror, not just into his thought process, but all of the LCG designers, how they go about things. Mm, So if if you're interested in, in, you know, gameplay mechanics and things like that, it's a really good little thing to read. But the article that they dropped on Friday was called, Then It Multiplied. And as well as being a little bit of a designer journal, it's Matt throwing down the challenge to us to complete a particular scenario with a particular set of conditions attached to it. So what we wanted wanted to do was talk through those conditions because I think we're both pretty excited to play it and hopefully mm, play yeah. it together. And what we'd like to do is go into a bit more depth in a future episode as to how we would build decks to approach it. Is that right? Yeah, Frank?
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm completely with you. It's funny as well because the the gaunt that was thrown down and my my initial reaction was hmm that sounds a bit competitive for me and you know this is a cooperative game and i'm not i'm not a competitive guy you know that's the thing i, I enjoy the least about card games and then i found myself thinking about the scenario and thinking about Decks and you sent me a message saying we should play this together and sort of my heart swelled a little bit and I was like yeah we could and this could actually be really interesting so I really like how this germ of an idea has been planted by Matt uh, it sort of slightly took me by surprise how I started running through you know in the way that I'd maybe plan a new investigator but this this felt a little bit different so yeah so so what tell me more about this challenge or tell our listeners more.
1: So the, the scenario is Undimensioned and Unseen, which now we don't want to get into too much depth talking about the exact particulars of it. What what we might try and do is clarify the rules for people who aren't very sure and then maybe give some pointers to people looking to tackle it or what our first moves would be. But as I said, we'll go into more depth in a future episode. However, Undimensioned and Unseen is an interesting scenario because it kind of splits people. A lot of people like me really like it um, some people really don't like it. They, they've got lots of horrible things to say about it, mm. um, which I always find yeah. strange. Because I, I've the first time I played it with my friends, it's one of the most memorable games of Arkham I've had. It's a really, really good game. Lots of us sitting around getting our heads together, trying to get the optimal, you know, optimal outcome from each turn. Anyway, so it's undimensioned and unseen. Should I just run through the the rules? Yeah, yeah, go for it, please. So what you need to do is play this scenario on hard difficulty using the standalone rules to make your deck. So what you can do is, you, you know, that's the rules where you can put in a certain amount of experience of cards and certain tiers of experience, meaning you have to put extra weaknesses into your deck, Right.
0: Yeah, so you could in theory play this if you wanted to with 49 XP. That's the the most <laughs> if you were really you thought that that would be the way to crack it, but you'd be adding four more weaknesses to yes. your deck, which would maybe be a little bit risky. Well,
1: I mean, so do you if you think that's the way to do it, then then go go ahead. Yeah. Power uh, deck. So there's a there's a particular breakdown for the chaos bag. I won't go over it in detail, but it's got all the horrible symbols in there. <laughs> Yeah, that's Uh, the
0: most important
1: thing, I think. Yeah. (laughs) You're not allowed to include the Powder of Ipengadzi in any player's deck, and that's a reward you get at the end of the previous scenario. Yeah. And that makes the Brood slightly easier to fight. You don't take additional weaknesses as instructed in the scenario's setup. I think where this scenario is in the, the Dunwich Legacy campaign, you take an extra weakness to balance out the experience you've been getting so far. Yeah. There's a note that... Uh, Henry Armitage has been sacrificed to Yogsothoth, which mm-hmm. changes one of the agendas, I believe, in this scenario. Is it one of the agendas or one of the acts?
0: No, it's, it's one of the acts. When you when you flip Act 1, there's two different things that can happen depending on whether or not Henry Armitage is alive. And if he's been sacrificed, it's a slightly less good outcome <laughs> of going, into, going
1: into Act 2. And your aim in this is to slay as many brood of Yorgsothoff as
0: you can. So so nothing's changed there really, Peter, and if you've played this scenario a couple of times and it hasn't completely chewed you up and spat you out, most players I think have worked out something of a way of handling the scenario, you know, rush in, get the early clues and get the esoteric formula, and then start picking off the broods that have so far turned up.
1: Yes, get, getting that formula as soon as you can is, is a good move, isn't it? And then you could yeah. use both, hopefully you've got the powder because that makes the scenario a lot easier. Uh, And you can use the various movement effects around the board to both put clues onto the broods and to move them to where you need them to be. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so far so good. However, there's some wrinkles, aren't there, Frank? And do you want to take us through what those are?
0: Yeah, so it wouldn't be a proper designer challenge, would it? Unless Matt Newman had also spiced the brew and he's added in the following what he calls ultimatums these ultimatums were first introduced at last year's invocation event so they're things that you can add to your game that change the rules slightly there's one that gets rid of the elder sign token there's another that adds another tentacle token you know things that. Like- anyway here are his ultimatums for then it multiplied the first is the ultimatum of invisibility which means that each brood gains the elite trait and is immune to all
1: player card effects, except for the effects of esoteric formula. So this stops you using various cheesy tactics to get rid of the broods, doesn't it? Mm,
0: yeah, and I one of the the aces in my back pocket that I was thinking about was cunning distraction as a way of group evading a bunch of broods if they sneak up on you. Yeah. But
1: that wouldn't work. Yeah, <laughs> So the other one is um, is mind wipe as well. Yeah. Which now doesn't work.
0: <laughs> and we actually we were asked a question as well, whether dodge works, because it says play when an enemy attacks an investigator at your location, cancel that attack. And so I'm not sure if that's actually interacting with the brood or interacting with the brood's attack, and I'm gonna find
1: out. So this is immune to all player card effects. This is that yeah. part you're talking about. So so some other cards that might fall into that, I guess, are cards like Stray Cat. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, uh, yeah. As you say, cunning distraction.
0: Yeah, bait and switch that would move one.
1: So you're much more limited. You, you, you've he's he's closing down the avenues we can take to trick the broods to to, to, to do various alternate effects to get around the limitations on them. Mm.
0: But there's there's that's not the only ultimatum. Peter. Give us give us the next second one. ultimatum. Is the ultimatum of multiplication, which says that. Instead of the standard set of instructions, you put all five broods of yogg in play at the start of the game. One in each of the five locations apart from the starting location, Dunwich Village. And so then, for the remainder of the scenario, when you would spawn a set-aside brood, you instead place a Doom
1: on the current agenda. So, so two things. This... well, three things. Uh, first of all, this means... The five n- things, Peter! The there name. are five things here! <laughs> this means the name of the article... Uh, is no longer particularly accurate, because then it says, then it multiplied. They've multiplied at the start.
0: Yeah, before now it multiplied. Exactly, (laughs)
1: yeah. Uh, This significantly changes the flow of the game, because you don't have a safe way to run through and get that formula before you've got to deal with all of the broods. Mm -hmm. But one of the interesting things about Undimensioned and Unseen is that you're often looking for the broods to come out as soon as possible. Or once you've dealt with one brood, you want another one to be there.
0: You don't want to waste time, yeah.
1: Exactly. So, so you're sometimes you're digging through the encounter deck, trying to find those, those cards that spawn the broods. In this case, you don't have to do that. However, the bad news is the cards that do spawn them add extra doom, so shorten your game.
0: One of the other things I love about this scenario is that the creature's tracks, which is the card that allows you to spawn broods, is a peril card, which means that you can often have this situation when you're playing where maybe a couple of people think, yeah, we could handle another brood, and a couple of other people have just been beaten up by a brood and are thinking, oh my goodness, don't make me deal with any more of those. And if one of those people draws the creature's tracks because it's peril, they can't then discuss with the whole group can we handle another one? They have to decide themselves. So it says, Revelation, you must either choose one, take two horror, or spawn a set-aside brood of yog at a random location. So I think under the rules of the ultimatum of multiplication, you could still just take the horror in that instance. Or if you chose to spawn a set-aside brood of yog you'd just place a Doom. Right, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, but I mean, also the agenda forces you to, to spawn them, so... Yeah, but at least with that card, you have an option, Doom or Two Horror. I think I know what I'd be choosing every time.
1: Okay, here's with the next one, because there's, there's more to go. <laughs> well, why don't you, you give us this one? Okay, so the, the next one is the Ultimatum of the Keeper's Challenge. Uh, Investigator decks cannot include any of the following cards. Elusive, Astral Travel, Cat Burglar, Mists of Rolier, Lure, Think on Your Feet, either Shortcut, so that's Shortcut Level 1 or Shortcut Level 2, Survival instincts, or either level of survival in- instincts, that's one and two. One of which came in this pack, I think. Level two. <laughs> yeah. Um and then Pathfinder. So that's I
0: wonder, can uh, we get a is there a theme there? I can't I can't see if I can discern a theme of the uh, cards yeah. that have all been banned. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's it's any cards which let you effectively sneak past the broods. Yeah, um, shortcut or just move. Yeah, or just move. Well, <laughs> yeah. all of them have some aspect of evasion in as well, right? Because shortcut, now well, pathfind is an interesting one, but but shortcut. If you're if there's a, a a massive enemy at your location and you shortcut, it doesn't follow you, so you just run mm-hmm. run away from it. Yeah. So shortcut works a lot like elusive in this situation. Yeah. And shortcut level two would be fantastic in this situation. So, But no, you can't use it.
0: All shut down. So that's going to just add this extra layer of complication when planning decks. Because say you wanted to go uh, Wendy Adams, who's got good enough willpower and good evasion, and you evade broods and keep moving. Some of the cards that you might see in a Wendy deck, like Cat Burglar or Elusive, are immediately cut out. And I think her power would probably drop a fair amount, given that those are... gated yeah and there's a final ultimatum just to really nail yet another nail into hammer yet another nail into this coffin (laughs) which is the ultimatum of agony when assigning damage or horror from a single source and remember that the broods hit for two damage and two horror investigators must assign as much damage or horror as possible to a single card before any excess damage or horror may be assigned to a different card
1: so this makes using certain cards like say Beat Cop much more difficult. No, not Beat Cop, um Guard Dog. That's what I'm thinking of, sorry.
0: Or Peter Sylvester.
1: Yeah. Or the key of Yeese. Yeah. Wow, well, yeah, that would
0: speed up very quickly.
1: Yeah. Or or probably means that when the broods attack. Um, Agnes as well as another one. If you're using Pete Sylvester and Agnes, that's a uh, that's a difficult one to manage, isn't it? Because normally mm-hmm. you split it up between yourself and Pete.
0: Yeah, exactly. What what that made me think is that you're going to end up taking brood attacks on the chin because otherwise they're killing an ally, to almost any ally. Yeah, I think apart from Brother Xavier, any ally is going to get killed as soon as you put the first damage or horror
1: on them because all the rest ends up on them. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're using um, trusted.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, good shout. Then So where's your head gone
1: with how you even begin to prepare for this? Well, summary, I I think okay? first of all, I would recommend people know the scenario well in order to attempt this. I think, if nothing else, it'll, it'll, especially if this isn't one of your first few times at this scenario, it'll maybe ruin that scenario to an extent for you on on future attempts. So so I'd, I'd make sure you're comfortable with the scenario. Maybe even play it just on hard without the ultimatums there. But I think what you need to do is bear in mind the key challenges you're going to have and your approach before you even start and fully coordinate with your teammates. I think this is going to be a lot more difficult with more players as well. So I'd maybe look at a two-person, one or two-person team. Because in a, a two-person team, you can still kill the broods in one turn, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, three health they have in, so in two players. One person can take three actions. Your fundamental steps to do this: you need a way to go and get the formula. You need a way of boosting your willpower reliably high enough in order to use the formula to damage the broods. And then you need a way not to die to all the broods pounding on you. <laughs> yeah, just don't die. Yeah. So what you want to do is is strip everything back out your deck that doesn't fit into one of those categories, or enables you to. to to use the cards that fit into those categories
0: yeah and i'd say that the the fourth category if i can be so bold to add one is that you need to be able to get around the map to get to the right locations where you can put clues on broods because you can't use the powder to do so yeah and in a way this isn't a fourth category because most of the movement cards have been banned so you're just going to have to accept that you'll be spending more actions getting around and probably picking a one or two locations that you hover around so that you can move quickly if you see a point when you can pounce on a brood drop a glue on it and deal with it
1: and and really speed is is the name of the game here because you want to get them all down as fast as possible uh, because you really don't want the encounter decks spearing more enemies out at you because the other enemies mm. in that scenario are quite nasty aren't they
0: yeah, it's Whippoorwills, which can really ruin dealing with broods. Yeah. And then there are the... It's the Beast Thralls set, so there's the Avian Thrall and the Lupine Thrall. And both of them are pretty nasty if you don't have someone dedicated to deal with them. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well... It's now more daunting. Having said I was excited about it, yeah, <laughs> now I mean, that we talk well, about I'm it, I'm feeling a little bit more I'm excited to get my,
1: about my teeth into the deck building challenge, because that's quite an exciting even just picking what investigators you, you, you're going to use is a, is an interesting challenge
0: yeah when we played together in the flesh we played agnes and jenny and i did my head did go towards them as a pair for this jenny for kind of reliable rich evasion option and maybe even using moxie to boost her willpower if she needs to to help with the brood and then agnes cuz you've got that great 5 willpower As a starting point so you could have agnes as kind of slayer supreme and jenny taking the hits as well she's got eight health and seven sanity so she can soak up a few hits yeah that that was where it first went but then Then i was thinking about for think i'm
1: gone i was gonna say but agnes gets more difficult because of the the ultimatum of agony doesn't she Mm, yes
0: but uh, her her taking horror wouldn't wouldn't affect the broods anyway. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. for the broods, she she wouldn't necessarily be
1: wanting to sp- spread out her damage and horror. I don't know what. But yeah. I don't wonder everything whether else she would be. Someone like Jim might be interesting because of his ability to. I mean, he could take something like Blood Pact to give him a reliable willpower boost. Mm-hmm. And he can his innate ability gets better the worse the chaos bag is. Mm. And there's a couple of Jim has in five
0: ones. zeros in the bag. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, right. So we're we're going to tackle this in a future. Ooh, I tell you what. Oh no, doesn't work. I was going to say you could use the custom ammunition, but then that ignores the whole point of that scenario. <laughs> We'll come back to this at some point in the future. We'll do an episode on our decks and what we think, and we'll go through everything in a huge amount of boring detail. He's
0: huge amount of fascinating detail. I, For my homework, I'm going to revisit the Think on Your Feet episode when Seth took on Undimension Unseen, because I was really pleased with how I did there. I think I got three or four broods. And obviously this is a much harder challenge, but that idea... I mean, Seth could be a, could be a good choice. High willpower, high agility...
1: Yeah, yeah. I think anyone that can take a, a willpower-boosting permanent talent would be good as well. So potentially a seeker with higher education.
0: Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. You miss out on some of the seeker movement, but you could get clues and you could you could deal with broods. I think, well, maybe we should just step up to the plate properly here and go Skids and Finn. <laughs> no. Silas and <laughs> Finn? Yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to it. And listen out, listener. We'll, we'll be covering... We'll be definitely checking back in with it and giving you more thoughts about it.
1: Okay, fantastic. So what we are
0: going to talk about next, Frank? From the challenges of Then It Multiplied to the realities of playing this game, we'd like to talk about some accessories around playing Arkham Horror because they're something that we're hopefully giving away at the end of this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's quite exciting. Very exciting. A company
0: called Buy the Same Token, buy as in B-U-Y, the same token, uh, who are two guys called Chris and Simon, got in touch with us because they make tokens for Arkham Horror, acrylic tokens, and they make things like player boards and encounter deck boxes and all sorts of other accessories around playing the game. And they got in touch with us, because they wanted our thoughts about them and they potentially wanted some advertising and wanted to be better known within the community for what they did. Yes. (laughs) Was that a good starting point? That was good, yeah, 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 yeah. So what they did was send both me and Peter a set of five of each of the tokens that they do, so resources, damage, horror, and clues, and a player board each for us to play with and to give our honest thoughts about what we thought of them, which is very generous to them obviously, and we're really grateful for that. And I think also, um I was I was very touched by it, obviously because it's being given free stuff, which is very nice and, and generous. But also there's that that whiff of confidence in your own product <laughs> yeah. that you would send something over and sort of not hesitate about doing that, which actually I thought was I thought that was quite touching in a way. And before we really talk about them any further, I should say that I play with just the normal cardboard tokens from the base set of the game, always have done, and I'm not much of a person for accessorising games I play very much. So I definitely came from a position of scepticism about anything around kind of pimping your game and things like that. It's part of why we've not done a how-do-you-pimp your game of arkham episode because i'm the i'm the stick in the mud going why don't you just play with the normal tokens like a normal person so yeah i just want to lay that out there that that's where i where i'm at how about you peter Are you because you have poker chips for resources
1: yeah 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 I, i've got a variety of tokens so i use a few different t- kinds of tokens so i use poker chips for resources i use dice for tracking things like uses so Ammo and charges on spells and stuff. So I've got some Eldritch, actually officially branded Arkham Horror dice that I use for that, and I have some acrylic tokens for Clues and Doom. So uh, I actually wanted to get the Team Covenant tokens because I had all the Team Covenant tokens for for Netrunner and I love them, but it was just it didn't it was really expensive to get them all shipped over from America. Mm. So yeah, it was interesting to get some. It it it, it wasn't something I probably would have picked if I was going to buy some tokens for myself. But now I've got them and used them. Are we going into what our impressions are? Can I dive in? Yeah, do please. Uh, I really enjoyed it. it. It's it's a. What I didn't appreciate from looking at the pictures was that it's quite a nice tactile experience. I will tell you what, I will do. I'll explain what it is that player board is. Just because, well, we haven't done that, and it might be a bit hard to visualise. So it's it's yeah. a, a square of acrylic, maybe about, what's that? Maybe sort of six inches. Across. With little six by four, yeah, yeah, maybe six by four, with a space in your middle for your player card, and then slots around the edge that the tokens can slot into, and then it has a magnetic lid which clips onto the top and keeps everything in place if you need to, if you you know packing up halfway halfway through playing. So yeah, there's a certain like tactile element to it which I hadn't really appreciated, which I really like.
0: Yeah, slotting in the tokens around your player board is really nice because you can slot them in all the way around your investigator. Normally I just pile all my tokens on top of my investigator. This is actually quite nice for keeping things neat and visible and you can see what's going on. And then the tokens are all either a one or a three. They have threes on the backs of the ones. So you can probably hear now on the microphone, you can you can flip tokens over very easily. So if you've If you've taken a damage and then you take another two, you can just flip a token over. You don't have to swap anything in the token bank or things like that. So I too have really enjoyed playing with the board, trying it out. I definitely paused on... It, it's certainly weird sitting, playing with tokens when everyone else around the table doesn't have it. But I think that comes from my position as being normally the sort of host when we play Arkham. But normally it's my tokens that I bring, my chaos bag, things like that. So sitting where I was playing with the player board and no one else was and I had my own tokens was uh, slightly funny.
1: Yeah, and I must admit, it it it's a, there's a bit of a disconnect because in Arkham, I, I normally do the same. So I, I have a, a big bag of tokens I take to the pub. Uh, and obviously there's only enough on here for really for me to use them. But there's also the added wrinkle of when you play Arkham, you you have a communal pool of tokens that everyone shares for various things. So clues is the main one. So you put mm, clues yeah. on locations. So what? one of the things that I liked about, I mean, the core tokens like he, that you use, is that that single clue, it, it it follows around like, so you pick up the clue, you take the clue off the location, you put it on your card, and it stays on your card until you spend it. But when, mm, you're, when yeah. I'm using these, I take a clue off the location, I put it back in the bank, and then I take a token from my personal supply and put that on my character sheet.
0: Yeah, so when I played with this, what I ended up doing was having tokens for other people and my personal supply for me... And as long as you're on the ball with that, you can actually track that quite easily. And I can see how if you got really into these tokens, because they are really nice and tactile and really well-designed and beautiful, I can see how you could end up buying a couple of sets of the tokens and then doing away with your normal tokens entirely. And then you wouldn't have to worry about that sort of effort of of swapping them.
1: But then what I do like is that they they slot, there's five slots on the board and I, uh, well, there's... No, there's twenty, 20 slots, slots on the board, one for each type of token, and it all packs away neatly. So if I'm going to the, if I'm going to the pub to play or whatever, I can just put my investigator card in, clip the lid on, and then that's all my tokens in one place. Mm, yeah, yeah. Unless I'm taking my tokens as well, and then I've got a separate bag. So it's it's I I like the portability of it. I think that's that's really cool.
0: It's really nice, even though they fit in these little square slots. There's like a little curve in the in the player board that sort of holds them in place and yeah it's really elegant it's a really really nice detail and they're engraved they look very pretty yes and if you go and look on uh, ebay if you search for buy the same token you can see all of their arkham products or on etsy as well are they on ebay as well yeah they're on ebay as well and the player boards come in different colors for the different factions and you can see all the tokens as well i think they've got other things up there now, yeah. Oh yes, of course they've got uh, location connections as well, markers, which are really nice.
1: Yes, yes, they they sent me some of those and they're good as well. I must admit, I prefer remembering what they look like. Every set of connection uh, location connectors I've used have been too fiddly and they get moved around, and that, to me they kind of clutter up the board. But I know a lot of people they much prefer it and it adds a lot of clarity to what they're doing. Mm, yeah. So just be, it, it turns things into more like a board game and people can follow them more easily. Yeah. So if, if you like connection locators, I think I think they're really nice.
0: Yes. And for a scenario like Boundary Beyond, cover your ears, Peter. They come particularly in handy, but I'm not going to say anything else. At the time of recording, yeah, Peter has the Boundary Beyond. <laughs> I just never thought there'd be a three way marker. Oh God! Joking. Oh God! <laughs> joking. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense. You just do two one ways. But yeah, yeah. They're they're really nice as well, and really useful for playing a new scenario when you're trying to keep track of new rules on the and agenda and um, new locations that you don't know how they fit together, and sort of trying to work them out. They're very nice. We we have them in the same color as our player boards, so there's that beautifully pleasing. Like aesthetic synergy around the table, so yeah, no, they're really good. They're really nice. It, the least you can do is just go and have a look at them and see if they're the kind of thing that takes your fancy. But also, I'd say it's it's so frustrating. It's like the Team Covenant tokens. You can't tell how nice they are until you've had them in your hands. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, these are really tactile. These are really nice. I know
1: people said exactly that about the Team Covenant tokens because some people when they I was really eager, eagerly waiting them to to release them because I knew they were working on them for ages, and some people saw them all like, "Oh, I'm not very sure about that." But everyone on uh, the Mythosbusters Discord, because a few of those guys got them, everyone over there was saying, "You know, you can't judge them until you've seen them, and they're lovely when you hold them in your hands and when you can see them." And that's exactly the case here as well.
0: The the level of detail on these tokens is really impressive, like really admirable.
1: It was fun trying out a new product and i'm going to keep using this especially if i'm if i'm just going to someone else's game because it's really easy to, to mm-hmm, pack this yeah. and pack my deck up Um i'll probably stick to my tokens if i'm providing tokens for everyone but what we're keen to do i think is maybe look at other peripherals in the future mm-hmm, and yeah. um, so if people have got any particular questions on types of thing that they're curious about getting you know Drop us a line so we know if this is useful. We can do more Arkham product reviews. Yeah, yeah. I know one of the things that I've got a couple of which have really improved my playing experience are uh, playmats. Mm, yeah. So maybe in a future episode we can talk about those. Yeah, for sure. So so say people love these tokens, Frank. Yes. But they don't want to have to pay anything for them. Yes, what can... Well, they're about to pay for them. Yeah.
0: And they think... If only there was a way of not paying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything they can do? Yes. We're going to have
0: our first ever, is it our first ever? Yeah, our first ever Drawn to the Flame competition. And one of the prizes, of which we think there are three prizes, one of them will be very generously given by Buy the Same Token, a player board and tokens, if we've got that wrong there's nothing i can do about it i'll just tell i'll tell the winner if we've got that wrong i'll tell the winner sorry i got that wrong i'm pretty sure they've promised a player board and the tokens we've well, just committed us to buying buying yeah, we not. we are now buying the main tokens chris and simon will message us
1: you idiots what's the competition peter this competition was actually suggested by one of our listeners uh, robin and it's we we, we like the idea so much we decided we were going to run it as a as a competition on the podcast, so what Robin says is he 's got we 've got a lot of investigators available now, and what he wants us to do or what he wants the listeners to do you to do, not you, Frank, the people listening i'm, I'm talking i 'm yeah. talking directly to you you there listening to this podcast is to take an investigator, potentially build a deck for them thematically matched to a particular scenario. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even... That's really... the important part, the investigator and the scenario. Yes. I'm not even going to give examples because I want you to to go away and think about this and think about what the themes of the scenarios are and pick the most appropriate investigator for that scenario. If I give you any any suggestions, that's, that's already limiting your creativity. What I want is just people to go, go away and come back with, you know who they're picking, why they're picking them, and the scenario they're using. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah, that is exactly right. What would be lovely is if you've picked that investigator in that scenario for you to make a deck on Arkham DB. It doesn't have to be a finely tuned, amazing scenario crushing deck, but it could be a deck that just really matches the theme of the scenario. And all you'd need to put in the description is why you've put that deck and what scenario you think it would work well with as the theme. And what we would hopefully end up with is a whole collection of investigators paired with scenarios. And if someone wanted to sit down and say, "Mm, I really want to try the pallid mask, who would be good in the catacombs underneath Paris? Then they could look up one of these decks and go oh wow this is a deck that's meant to be really immersive and really play into the themes for this scenario and they could just grab the deck so the deck could be built with standalone rules so you know 19 or 29 xp or whatever you want but it would be that kind of thematic
1: thing and and yeah you're very free to put in a bit of um a bit of text and stuff as to why you why that link is there right that that's That's what's gonna elevate your entry above the other people is the 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 kind of the the cool, juicy explanation of why you think that investigators suited to that scenario.
0: But if you're also someone who doesn't want to do any of that and you just want to suggest an investigator in a scenario with no explanation, we will still consider those entries, of course. By all means do that. You can send in your entries to drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com or also on the Facebook post for this episode, if you want to comment with your entry either with a link to ArkhamDB or just the names. That's also fine. And Peter and I will be collecting up all of the entries. And then we're going to have Robin pick his favourite. We're going to pick a favourite. And we're also going to invite our patrons to pick a favourite. So there are three possible winners. And that's good because we have three prizes. And what are the prizes, Frank? I was going to ask you that, Peter.
1: (laughs) So one of the prizes will be some of the tokens from by the same token which we talked about in this episode
0: and or, or not and a player board if i've got
1: that right or wrong yes we'll also we've got a copy of uh, carnival carnival of horrors mm mm-hmm. the print on demand standalone scenario that was available in sort of middle of last year i think i think it was january or february last Can't year me. yeah um, and that's amazing. It's a, that's a fanta- it's one of my favourite scenarios. That, um, and it's been too long since I played it. So, and it might be
0: that you have got into the game after it came out, and you've never felt the sort of urgency to get it because the card pool's a lot bigger. It's a really fun scenario.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit more. So the the standalone scenarios they're a bit more meaty than the the scenarios you get in in, in counter packs. And um, mm, yeah, because and they're they've got more quirks in more unique mechanics and stuff. So they're really good little set pieces for Arkham and just show you what cool things the game can do
0: and then the third prize which was I don't know if it's the third prize in like in rankings but the third prize because we've counted three numerically was suggested to us by Chris and Simon and that would be that I think this will be the one that our patrons will pick we'll take one of the decks and play one of the scenarios live and it will be a little special think on your feet live episode We'll work out the kinks of how that works or not when we get to it. But if you design a really crazy deck and suggest a really fun scenario, it could be the one chosen just because it sounds hilarious. I just I just know that it's going to be Lola in the labyrinth. I just know (laughs) it already. And I'll probably beg you to play it instead of me. Yeah. But whatever it is. Whichever one is chosen, we'll do a special live episode of that. I think, I hope it's not blowing my own trumpet, but I think people like the live play episodes because they offer something a little bit different. So hopefully that'll be
1: a nice prize as well.
0: Who knows? Maybe Peter will play it. That that would be a real prize. Well, I'll,
1: I'll see who it is first. If it's of the labyrinth, there's no way I'm going to <laughs> go. You'll reserve the right to not do it, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair enough. So yeah, that's the competition.
0: One investigator paired with one scenario ideally with a thematic deck to help them through the scenario, sent to us at Drawn to the Flame podcast... I was doing so well. Sent to us at Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com or commented on our Facebook post. And the deadline for this is... That's a good
1: question, Frank.
0: (laughs) Okay, and the deadline for this is... A month from when the episode goes up. Yes. It's probably early September.
1: Monday the 3rd of September, shall we say. Let's say that.
0: <laughs> Monday the 30th we to be moved if we don't get enough entries. That's right, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to enter if we don't.
0: Okay. Yeah, you could win all this stash. I'd have to send you my copy of Carnival of Horrors. <laughs> awesome. Let us know what you think. You can reach us in all the normal places, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com drawn to the flame on Twitter or Facebook, or you could also go and become a judge for this competition by supporting us on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash drawn to the flame. Peter, people might want to get in touch with you individually. How could they do that?
1: Uh, I am United almost everywhere, so I'm on uh, the Twitter and the Discord, that's the Mythosbuster and our Discord, and I'm over on the subreddit doing the card of the day thread, and we're ploughing on with uh, the Forgotten Age cycle now. Someone's done a very clever bit of maths which worked out, if I miss every Thursday, by the time we get to the last pack, I'll have the exact right number of cards to last us through or something. That might not be what they wow. said. There was a very complicated discussion about it. And it, the last line said, in short, you can miss some Thursdays. So I was like, right, I'm going to stick with that. Okay. So it's
0: not, it's not actually the card of the day. It's the card of four days a week. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the card of every two days, more or less. <laughs> the card of some of the days. Take. Yeah. <laughs> the occasional. It's like you're sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly, right? Yes, that's, that's exactly the, it, yeah. That's the, that's the gag there. Okay, cool. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm FB on Twitter. That's EPH underscore BEE. And around the place is Zooey Glass or Zozo.
1: Brilliant. Thank you for listening.
0: Start brewing those decks, send them in, and thank you for listening. Thank you.